0: Welcome and thank you for being a listener of the Dose of Leadership podcast. Currently, we're expanding the conversations beyond just leadership into health, wealth, purpose, spirituality, relationships, and much, much more. Because today's leader has to be about all of these areas to lead into the future. Hi, I'm Matt Lilly, and I'm the new host of the previous Dose of Leadership podcast, now called Bright Vibe. I've owned 20 businesses over the last 30 years, and I've studied business, wealth, health, strength, spirituality, you name it, I've studied it. And I've learned that you have to grow in all these areas to be the best well-rounded leader that you can be, not just at office, but also at home. We have an impressive lineup of speakers coming soon. So please stay tuned to the podcast. Thank you for being a listener and part of our Dose of Leadership community. And now we welcome and are excited to have you be a part of our Bright Vibe podcast community. So, Doctor David Jockers, welcome to the show this morning.
1: Well, thank you, Matt. Great to be on with you.
0: Yeah, I was looking so forward to it. Um, as we were talking, kind of a little bit in the pre-show, you know, uh, I I do some fasting. I try to fast at least Monday through Friday. I've been more lax lately because I haven't seen some of the results I wanted to see. So, hopefully today, if nothing else, I'm going to learn how to lose some more belly fat. That, that, that's yeah. the goal of my of of what's happened today. But you're kind of the guy, right? You're you're kind of the uh, expert on kind of fasting keto inflammation you were talking about blood sugars earlier i mean so really all things health and wellness is that is that kind of what's your what's your focus what's your passion well
1: that's a great question you know as a doctor i've taken care of you know thousands of people with all different types of chronic inflammatory conditions but really the way that i got into this was i i myself had irritable bowel syndrome in my Mm -hmm. early 20s and i was a personal trainer i was starting graduate school I grew up in a a healthier home. My mom actually, while I was a, while I was a teenager, she was studying to become a naturopath. Mm, So we always had herbs and grew our own food, you know, a lot of our own food and did different things nutritionally. And she tried to keep us off processed food. Of course, you know, as kids, we, we obviously rebelled against that. Um, however, with that said. Um, you know, I grew up in a healthier home than most and with more holistic knowledge than most, but I was struggling with irritable bowel. And back then I was eating six meals a day. I had to eat before I went to bed and woke Mm -hmm. up in the morning because I was a personal trainer. And I thought I had to do this in order to maintain my muscle mass. Right. And, uh, you know, I I finally hit a boiling point where I, I just had such intense abdominal cramping and I was losing weight, even though I was eating all this food and and lifting weights and things like that. And uh, I just, you know, I, I've got to figure something else out. And so I started making some diet changes and that definitely helped a little bit. And then I just noticed that when I drank a lot of water in the morning mm-hmm. and I didn't eat, I actually felt a lot better. So I actually noticed that I felt better. I had less gut inflammation. And, um, you know, from there, I just started experimenting with this. And I had never heard the term intermittent fasting. Right. I just knew that. If I drank a lot of water in the morning, I didn't I wasn't hungry and I actually felt really good, really energized. Mm -hmm. And I could go to like two or three o'clock some days in the afternoon without eating. And then I would eat a whole bunch of food between like, let's say, three o'clock and seven o'clock at night or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then I wake up the next day and do the same thing. And I started gaining weight back. So I actually had lost uh, at at my lowest point, 30 pounds. So I was one hundred and thirty pounds dropped down to 140 pounds. I mean, I was like skin and bones wow. and I had very low blood pressure. I had orthostatic hypotension. I go from sitting to standing and I would feel dizzy, right? Wow. And this is kind of a sign that I was chronically inflamed, mm-hmm. that my brain wasn't communicating well with my adrenal glands and I was having, uh, you know, issues getting, getting enough oxygen up into my brain. Wow. And so as I started to do this sort of intermittent fasting strategy, I felt better and better. I started gaining muscle weight. I was still lifting weights. I just felt super strong in the gym, had better endurance, uh, better brain function. Uh, I went, I actually became, I was at the top of my class in graduate school as I started to apply this. And again, I had never heard the term intermittent fasting. In fact, back then I used to tell people, well, I just drink a lot of water in the morning. It must be the water. <laughs> was right, actually the- right. I thought it was the super hydrating technique that I yeah. had, which definitely helps save off hunger. And that's one of the key tips with fasting is right. good hydration helps distend your stomach which shuts down your hunger hormones, right? And then of course, good hydration is key for, you know, pulling toxins out of your body and filtering things. And so I felt great doing this and I was practicing it. And I had never heard the term until really about 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started seeing research coming out about this strategy of intermittent fasting. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I did. This is what helped me heal irritable bowel and has gotten me this far.
0: Wow. Thank you for listening to the Bright Vibe podcast today. We've got a special event coming up here shortly, July 12th through the 16th, called the Global Happiness Summit. And we're bringing resources from around the country together to talk about happiness and what that means and how to have more of that in our lives. Go to brightvibe.com, dot V-I-B-E.com for more information about the Global Happiness Summit. And we look forward to seeing you July 12th through the 16th. And so I'm, I always love when we have uh, guests come on the show, and you know their passion is because they've experienced the 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 pain of the thing, or the you know they've experienced it, so they're talking from their truth, from their reality, because it's so much more impactful. Because then it's like, no, this guy's actually climbed the mountain, right? I want to go climb the mountain. This guy's climbing the mountain, right? So I think it's awesome that that's what was kind of the catalyst for you, I guess, really starting to do the research and dive into this. Because to your point, you didn't even know that there was a thing called. Intermittent fasting, and now it's like every every say, like, oh yeah, yeah, I do this or I do that, right? Which I do want to get into what you actually do for you, because obviously you're your own guinea pig. It sounds like. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what do I mean? Where do you want to start with that? What do you want to start with? Kind of what you actually do now? Kind of what your eating windows or what the, what the thinking sure. is behind it, and maybe what you would recommend yeah. for people just starting, or maybe even people like myself. So I w- was doing. Intermittent fasting, and then since I wasn't getting all the results, I kind of started to like not be as re- you know religious about it. And I'm like, so yeah, what 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 would you recommend for the novice, and then maybe people that have not had the success that that they would like?
1: For sure. Well, I look at fasting kind of like exercise, right? So there is a novice step, just like exercise. Um, I ex- I've been exercising, you know, pretty much four or five days a week for uh, thirty years, right? Wow. Just about thirty years. And so, you know, if you were to go in and work out with me, I'm in a really great shape, right? But if right. you're a novice, you would be really sore after working out with me. And so I wouldn't want you to do that. I'd want you to start slowly. Well, it's kind of the same thing with fasting. Mm-hmm. Fasting is a muscle that we've got to build. And so for me what I'm doing is is definitely more of an advanced step.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: so if we can get somebody metabolically flexible where their body is good at burning fat for fuel as well as sugar, we can move them in this direction. Now, not everybody based on you know, their stress level, their sleep quality, um, you know, their, their, uh, you know, different, their schedule for the day, things like that. We'll be able to follow exactly this. Mm -hmm. Okay. However, we can move them in this direction. So for me personally, I pretty much do an 18 hour fast on a daily basis. So I usually am finished with dinner at 7 PM. I'm not dogmatic about it just in case like last night, Um, I coach my boys, my son's soccer team. So we get home at 6.30. So I'm usually not done eating dinner until like 7.30 on Thursday nights. But it's usually, we're usually done by 7 p.m. on most nights. And then I don't start eating until roughly 1 o'clock, somewhere between 1 and 2 the next day. Okay. And usually it's after exercise. Now, I have two rest days where I don't do intense exercise, Wednesday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I do some form of uh, strength training. Um, on all the other days, usually around noon, right. Or 1230, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I finish, then I'll go ahead and I'll break my fast. So I, I work out in a fully fasted state Mm -hmm. and then I go ahead, I'm well hydrated, just fully fasted. And then I go ahead and break the fast. And then on Wednesday, I told you that's, that's a rest day. I don't exercise that day. I only eat one meal that day. So I eat a big lunch uh, again, usually between one and 2 PM. Mm -hmm. And then I will fast through dinner. Mm-hmm. And I will work out, you know, again, around 1230, usually on Thursday, mm-hmm. and then break my fast roughly around 130 or so 132 o'clock on Thursday. So it's, it's basically about a 24 hour fast. So most days, I'm doing an 18 hour fast. Mm-hmm. And then one day a week, I'm doing right about a 24 hour fast. Interesting. Okay, and, and I feel amazing doing this. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. I eat, I'm eating very high protein. Um, I, uh, my body type in general, I can, I can take in a lot of calories. I mean, I can eat 1500, you know, maybe even 2000 calories in (laughs) one sitting, right. And still feel okay. I take digestive enzymes, you know, and stuff, but I still, I feel good. Not everybody's able to do that. Some people it's like 800 calories. They're like, oh my gosh, I feel so full. Especially if you don't have a gallbladder or if you've had, you know, sluggish, Uh, liver bile duct flow, right? So bile flow from your liver and your gallbladder, low low stomach acid production, you may not be able to handle a whole lot of food in a meal. So, you know, some people could do three Mm -hmm. meals in a six to eight hour eating window. For me, I usually do two meals, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that lunch, and then I'll have a really good dinner. Okay. And I consume a lot of protein. I consume Probably about 150 grams or so, uh, maybe more, maybe up to 200 grams of protein in a a day Mm -hmm. um, in those two meals. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that's really great for, again, rebuilding muscle tissue, for satiation, blood sugar balance. Um, I want to be super fit, right? I want to recover from my exercise really, really well. And I want to feel great. And I want to have great mental clarity. So fasting offers amazing benefits because it helps my body to break down uh, old damaged proteins that have been damaged by oxidative stress in the body. It helps increase something called brain-derived neurotropic factor in the brain, which helps you think sharper and clearer and have better memory and better cognitive acceleration. So I feel great from a performance perspective uh, because of those things. And then fasting also increases your human growth hormone, which... Is your quintessential anti-aging hormone, so it helps basically with rebuilding new collagen for your joints, stronger joints and ligaments, better skin, better lean body tissue development, of course, better fat burning, things like that. And then when I exercise, that just kind of peaks it, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like it's even better environment for building muscle. Mm -hmm. And then after you exercise, of course, now you're in this state where you know you're calorie deprived, you just exercised very intensely, Mm -hmm. right? Your body needs a Those nutrients so now i go ahead refeed uh, with those nutrients in a you know a consolidated eating window but i get enough calories that's so important otherwise i would you know be losing weight and i wouldn't be getting the benefits um you know i'm already very lean so i wouldn't be getting the benefits of the fasting so -hmm. i've got to make sure i'm feeding getting enough calories now for somebody else that may be wanting to lose weight you know by consuming a lot of protein healthy fats keeping your carbs down you know you're going to hit a satiation point and that will be under your your calorie right. needs like you could say yeah, right? right your metabolic and uh, yeah. yeah and so then your body will start burning through body fat mm-hmm. so i mean that's pretty much what i do mm-hmm. okay now for a beginner right right i will start with some i will tell somebody you know just fast for 12 hours overnight and that's actually really easy so if right. you finish dinner at 7 p.m You don't eat anything with calories till 7 a.m. the next morning. You can drink herbal tea. You can drink water. You Mm -hmm. can even drink black coffee. We just don't want to consume anything with calories Mm -hmm. um, in that 12-hour window. And it's really more of a mindfulness practice. Most people find it actually very easy, but they just don't think about it, right? And they're eating calories late at night or they feel like, oh, I've got to eat something first thing in the morning. Maybe they heard somebody say, you got to eat right upon, you know. Right. First thing in the morning to rev up your metabolism or something like that. So the first thing we do is we start with that 12 hours. And then from there, I'll tell them, okay, I want you to drink 16 to 32 ounces of water. Again, it could be in the form of herbal tea or black coffee or something like that. um, Before you think about eating. Right. And just drinking that water, again, will distend your stomach. It Mm -hmm. will suppress your hunger hormone ghrelin. And you, you'll notice that you're not as hungry. So if you're used to eating a big breakfast, your your body is used to getting that stomach distension in the morning. So you can retrain it by just hydrating your body. Well, now the first few days, it's going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to be like, Oh, I really like that, you know, big bowl of oatmeal or cereal, or whatever it is, you know, those mm-hmm. eggs or whatever it is that you're eating for breakfast. However, your body will readapt and it will readjust. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice, okay, you know, I'm actually not hungry in the morning. I actually just Really want some water, want some hydration. Right. And yes. so it's kind of a retraining uh practice and retraining mm-hmm. process. And then as you retrain your system, it's easier to get into kind of that 16-hour fast. Right. Okay. And that's yes. a really good period of time where we get insulin down. Mm-hmm. And insulin is your fat storage pro-inflammatory hormone. And if we need it. It's it's critical in our body, but We only want it elevated for short periods of time and we want to suppress it for longer periods of time. So doing, you know, a 16 hour fast and an eight hour eating window will start to suppress that insulin and allow us to get more in a fat burning zone where we're able to um, reduce inflammation, burn fat for fuel, degrade damaged proteins, and basically heal from the inside out.
0: Interesting. And then what about for people who work out like at the 5 a.m., 6 a.m., you know, Time slot, you know, up uh, dur- earlier in the fast window because it sounds like you're working out and then breaking your fast. Yeah. What about people that work out earlier? What what's the protocol there?
1: For sure. And so, again, it's really this adaptation process that takes place. My preference is to work out at the end of my fasting window. But when I first started doing intermittent fasting, when I had those amazing breakthroughs with my irritable bowel, mm-hmm. I mean, I was in graduate school and I was taking classes. Some, sometimes my classes were at 7 a.m., right? right, 7, 8 a.m. And I was getting up at 5. I was working out in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as long as you're staying, if you ate a sufficient you know amount of calories a day before right mm-hmm. to your satiation point mm-hmm. and then you're hydrating well after your workout mm-hmm. you'll notice that you'll be able to fast for a longer period of time okay. most people notice that it's a little bit easier the fasting may be a little bit easier to kind of push longer when they haven't exercised until maybe the end mm-hmm. but you know, you can still definitely get in that 16-hour window
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, work out, you know, at 5 a.m. Let's say, you again, you finish dinner at 7 p.m., you had sufficient calories, you go to bed at, you know, I don't know, 10 p.m. or so. Right. I always recommend, ideally, finishing, you know, finishing eating, ideally, at least three hours before you go to bed. Got it. That is yes. going to set you up for better better rest, better mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. But again, let's say you're on this sort of schedule and you're getting up 5, 6 a.m. and you're, you're getting the workout in in the morning. You know just hydrate in the front end and then hydrate on the back end right okay and what you'll notice is that you know that's going to suppress a lot of those those feelings of hunger
0: and so you're and not- then
1: you'll be able to push it out a little bit longer and again during your eating window if you work out especially if you work out intensely mm-hmm. you're going to need a little bit more calories and particularly more protein right so in right. your eating window make sure you're doing that and you should be fine
0: but there's no there's no magic then between uh, the workout and when you take in those calories in, because if somebody's working out at 5am and they're not eating till one, you know, yeah. I've, I've always heard this myth, maybe it's a myth, but I've always heard, you know, you want to take in your protein right after you work out because you want to rebuild muscle. Is that true or not true? Or what's your thoughts on that? I guess?
1: Yeah. So that is a, that, and that is something that has been circulated. Now the research that was done on that was done on people that were eating you know, many meals throughout the day. So they had, they were basically in sugar burning mode. They weren't weren't as effective fat burners, right? And so when we are fasting along with the exercise, both of those are stimulators of human growth hormone. Mm -hmm. And when HGH is elevated, that preserves lean body tissue. So it sends this message when insulin is down, insulin and and human growth hormone are antagonists. Mm-hmm. What that means is when insulin is up, like when we eat it, you know, a big meal or eat a bunch of carbs or something like that, it suppresses and inhibits human growth hormone. Got it. When insulin's down because of, you know, exercise or because of fasting mm-hmm. or the combination of both,
2: mm-hmm.
1: now human growth hormone is elevated and HGH sends this powerful message, okay, preserve Lean body tissue, preserve bone tissue, preserve muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. So you are not going to burn through your muscle tissue. We used to think, okay, if you don't eat right after you work out, right. you're going to catabolize your muscle tissue. Right. And to some some degree, that's true. If you you know if you go many days without consuming enough calories and you're working out real intensely, you may right. break down your muscle tissue. But in like let's say a 24 hour span, we're getting sufficient calories, but the timing of it is you know again let's say we're eating our eating window is 12 to 8. Mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. we do that 6 a.m. workout, as long as we're getting sufficient calories and sufficient protein in that 12 to 8 window, mm-hmm. we can absolutely fast, you know, after the workout, and we'll actually get that benefit of higher levels of human growth hormones of higher fat burning levels. Um, and it will preserve the lean body tissue. And then when we do eat, we'll refuel, right? So we'll right. bring in the the, the uh, protein, the carbohydrates to refill our glycogen, our stored sugar levels, in our liver, our muscle tissue, all of that. Hmm. So we'll get all those benefits as long as we're consuming sufficient calories and sufficient protein during our eating window, regardless of when that eating window is.
0: Hmm. And so and so that's gonna lead me, I guess, to my uh, next um, area of, of just kind of curiosity here, which is, so we've, I've also heard that fasting helps with uh, inflammation. Right. And I think, and, and I, and it's also kind of my understanding that inflammation leads, can lead to lots of different problems in the body that, that are, you know, can be called disease, but, you know, arthritis, joint pain, aches, body aches, but then much, much deeper stuff. Right. So is that part of why you do the fasting or is that part of what kind of led you to the fasting or not led you to it, but the benefits of it?
1: for sure so fasting is you know i always tell people it's the most ancient inexpensive and powerful healing strategy known to mankind you know all of our ancestors fasted not be not necessarily because they wanted to oh, right but because food wasn't as prevalent right? right although in many cultures they practice fasting for spiritual purposes mm-hmm. for health purposes you know Hippocrates used to uh, ha- you know he's the father of modern medicine mm-hmm. he used to use fasting protocols to help a lot of his clients you know mm-hmm. this is back, you know, over 2000 years ago. And so, um, you know, of course it's, it's, it's in every, you know, major religion, they practice fasting. And so, um, you know, fasting has been done for forever and it's so powerful because when we fast, we elevate ketones in our bloodstream and ketones are these water soluble compounds that are produced from fat. See, most of our cells in our body can use fat for energy. Mm But our brain we have this blood-brain barrier and fat 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 itself or triglycerides or fatty acid uh fatty acids they're too big to cross the blood-brain barrier effectively to get enough energy uh in it for the brain cells mm-hmm. and so what happens is the body creates these ketones which are water soluble smaller molecules that can cross the blood-brain barrier and are you know this amazing fuel source for the brain and when ketones are elevated it turns off inflammation in the brain right so Mm. it's actually an epigenetic modulator meaning that it's kind of an environmentally uh created because of the environment because we didn't have enough food so we created this these ketones inside of our body and it influences our genetic expression Mm -hmm. and so now we shut down um these powerful pathways called the inflammasome which is like an amplifier of inflammation in our body right Mm. so we hear about like free radicals you think about like one unpaired electron attacking you know a tissue with a you know to get another electron to create more stability and this is happening all over the body but then there's kind of like you know it's you know i think of the inflammasome almost like an alarm for a whole city right let's say you know, this alarm went off in the entire, in, you know, in New York city and all the cops came out and they were all blindfolded. Right. And they were just going around shooting everything that that was moving <laughs> right? or everything they heard. Okay. It would be massive chaos, right. you know? Right. And so what we're doing here is we're kind of shutting down the alarm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, what's happening when we're fasting, producing these ketones. And that's one of the reasons why you feel so mentally clear in your brain um, when you're doing this and this is why, you know, people do extended fasts, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're thought to have better, you know, intuition and mental clarity and right. spiritual breakthroughs yep. and things right, like right. that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons for that is this, um, ketone effect, right? Cause they get mm-hmm. higher and higher levels of ketones as they're fasting longer, but even in intermittent fasting, when you're intermittent fasting, you're getting some of this rise of ketones, which is shutting down, uh, inflammation throughout the body. So absolutely, and then there's a whole number of effects that it has on the gut, right? It actually mm-hmm. helps with uh, strengthening the resiliency of your 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 gut junk, you know, basically your uh, intestinal cells. And you mm-hmm. only have one cell wall right. in your right. intestines, right? It's a mm-hmm. big tube, but it's only one cell uh, in thickness, as opposed to like your skin, which is like twenty different cells all mm-hmm. the way down to your blood, right? It's a lot of protection, right? Because you know it's it's there to protect us from the environment. Whereas our gut, really the way our gut was designed was for better nutrient absorption, right? right? Because our ancestors didn't have as easy access to food, whatever food we did get, we needed to get the nutrients across, into the bloodstream, across the gut mm-hmm. junction, into the bloodstream as quickly as possible. So it's only one cell. And so that's beneficial for nutrient absorption, but it's it's at, we're at a disadvantage when it comes to um, pathogens, right? Pathogens potentially getting into the bloodstream and also inflammation damaging that intestinal lining. And so because of that, we really need to have a strong intestinal lining and those cells turn over like every three to five days. Hmm. And fasting has been shown to actually create shifts in the microbiome to where we preferentially feed uh, certain strains of bacteria like acromansia mucinophilia. Mucinophilia means mucus loving, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it sits in the intestinal mucus. And the intestinal mucus is actually this thick lining that kind of protects that one cell, right? That one cell wall. Mm-hmm. And that's where the immune component of the gut is. And the stronger and hardier that mucus membrane is, The more resilient we are right Mm -hmm. to stress from our environment to pathogens coming in from our food and so um, so it creates this shift where we get higher amounts of this mucus loving bacteria higher amounts of mucus formation um healthy mucus formation in the gut and this this acromanzia they call the keystone of the microbiome it's one of the keystone bacteria that is associated with reducing inflammation across the board and lower rates of inflammatory bowel disease and inflammatory conditions, all, all, all aboard. So all different inflammatory conditions, Um, it breaks down mucus it can also eat polyphenols that we're getting from our diet. Like for example, green tea has EGCG, which is a polyphenol turmeric has, you know, curcumin, you know, Mm -hmm. onions have quercetin, right? These are all polyphenol compounds. So it breaks those down, but it also can eat mucus. So if we don't have enough food coming in, it will eat the mucus, produce these things called urolithins that get into the intestinal cells and stimulate the mitochondria Mm -hmm. in the intestinal cells. to It stimulates uh, increased amount of mitochondria and something called mitophagy. Where the body itself will break down these older, damaged mitochondria that have become damaged by oxidative stress mm-hmm. and take the raw materials and form newer, healthier mitochondria. Mitochondria will produce all the energy. You know, the healthier the mitochondria in the cells of your body, the more stress resilient your body becomes. And that's a huge, that's an important term because we're all under stress. We're not gonna avoid it. However, the more resilient we become to stress, the more adaptable we are the more we're able to handle, the more, the higher our tolerance point becomes. And that's really what we want with our intestinal cells. And so they become stronger, hardier, and more resilient to stress. Mm. And that alone will bring down inflammation a lot because inflammation really starts in the gut. Mm -hmm. And of course it can start in a joint, let's say you sprained your ankle, right? Or you have some sort of an injury, um, it can start there. It can, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, get an abrasion on your skin, it can start there. But for most people, when we're talking about like chronic disease, mm-hmm. the inflammation started in the gut, right? There right. was damage, tearing of that intestinal lining. Mm-hmm. And that was the injury, the, the, the initial insult that created an inflammatory spiral that ended up leading to psoriasis, that ended up leading to eczema, um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, Hashimoto's, thyroiditis alzheimer's disease right it seems you know you know most people think of it as okay if your problem is in your brain it was only in your brain but really there's this gut brain connection there's a gut thyroid or gut endocrine connection there's a gut skin connection right so damage in the gut is going to lead to inflammation in other areas of the body
0: which is crazy i mean again to your point it's it seems like you know I've the way I grew up and I think the way most people grew up was like again to your point if 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 it hurts somewhere that's where the problem is and we don't really relate it and and never and I think for you know most of the population right now we're only starting to like the general population you know normal people that don't have advanced degrees in this are starting to think oh okay wait there is something i guess enough people are talking about the gut that there's actually this is like the, the to your point the, the main defense or offense right it starts in the gut and then and then it's affecting like when you're naming all those diseases you were just naming I was like wow I didn't even think about psoriasis being connected to the gut I mean and and what are you doing like it's psoriasis I don't have psoriasis but I've had some friends and what are they doing they're treating it at this level of this like their hands or whatever they wherever they're experiencing psoriasis but basically what you're saying is it probably started at the gut but is the cure then back in the gut then I'm assuming is that what we I mean Is that where we need to go back to and kind of, if that gut becomes healthy, that psoriasis calms down or goes away? Is that
1: yeah, for sure. When I'm, whenever I'm thinking about inflammation or autoimmune types of conditions, then I'm always thinking gut, right? We've got to help the gut. We've got to also balance blood sugar, right? So they may be eating foods that, you know, are creating high blood sugar and high insulin, and that's going to create a lot of problems in the body as well. Um, so we've got to get the diet under control, obviously. Um, get them exercising, get them doing intermittent fasting, reshape that gut microbiome. That's so critical because again, that gut lining is only one cell wall. And so what happens is, you know, it's protecting in a sense, even though the gut, the intestines are inside of our body, the way that our body thinks about it is it's almost like they are our skin, right? In fact, you know, in development, okay. In um, embryology, our skin and our gut come from kind of the same initial source and so it's Mm -hmm. almost like a connection of our skin Mm -hmm. right and then as we get into the bloodstream okay whatever is getting into the bloodstream the body is you know very aware of what's taking place in the bloodstream Mm -hmm. and what killed more of our ancestors than anything else was actually infections bacterial infections getting into the bloodstream then going into our lungs causing pneumonia or going into Mm -hmm. our You know our nervous system and creating meningitis even when people would die in war or something like that Mm -hmm. a lot of times it wasn't the initial wound it was the infection that would get in through the wound that would end up killing them so inflammation is actually an adaptive survival response that our body has created to protect us against the number one thing that has killed our species which is infection Mm -hmm. and so whether we get you know a deep wound or an injury or whatever it is, our body's creating this inflammatory process to clean up the area and to sterilize the area. Mm -hmm. It's doing everything it can to sterilize the region. Mm -hmm. That's why your skin gets red, right? Right. That heat. Um, you know, when you, when you hurt yourself, right? It's like, okay, now you got, you have more heat. It's kind of why, why we create a fever. Mm -hmm. You know, if we have a, 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 viral or bacterial infection, oftentimes we'll, we'll have a fever. It's all part of the process of driving up the immune response and slowing down replication of the virus, reproduction of a bacteria. Mm -hmm. So with our gut, when we have leaky gut, now bacteria and pathogens and undigested food particles, large food particles can seep into the bloodstream. And the body again is on alert for any sort of abnormal proteins that get in the bloodstream. And when it senses that there's abnormal proteins in there, because again, leaky gut is opening up, you know, allowing these things to seep in, it says, okay, sound the alarm, turn on the inflammasome, right? Remember, we Mm -hmm. talked about that. That's the inflammation amplifier saying, okay, a massive alarm, turn up inflammation, turn up immune activity. And that's what ends up happening in the body. And then for some individuals, based on their genetic predispositions, um, they will get autoimmune conditions, such as psoriasis or Hashimoto's or Um, rheumatoid arthritis or scleroderma or something like that. For other people, their, you know, pre-existing or their genetic, their genetics say, okay, turn up inflammation in the blood vessels themselves, right? Mm. So now they get, you know, a ton of inflammation in the endothelial linings of the blood vessels, which you rarely feel, right? Right. But then later on, as that's continuing to happen, you end up with blood pressure problems. You end up with heart disease, right? Mm. Um, Stroke, right? Different things like that. For other people, they are turning up inflammation around certain cells of the body and they're getting just a massive inflammation. The way I think about it in the body, when we have chronic inflammation, it's kind of like static
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a radio station, mm-hmm. you know? So the, the messages for proper cell division and healing coming from the brain and coming from kind of the um, the innate mechanism, the, the innate force, the vital force that's driving our body mm-hmm is not being heard effectively, right? It's too much static. Mm -hmm. So now certain cells will start replicating cells that should have died, stay alive. We call those senescent cells, Mm -hmm. right? They're aged. They're not actually performing their their proper function. Mm -hmm. Okay, in fact, they're spouting out, like we have a lot of, somebody that has chronic inflammatory conditions has a ton of senescent immune cells where they have these aged immune cells that are no longer attacking pathogens they're just dropping out all these inflammatory cytokines all over the place driving up more inflammation possibly more pain in the body uh possibly damaging you know the, the endothelial lining of the blood vessels whatever it is but these immune cells are actually um hazardous to us they're not listening to the messages of the body and we can get these senescent cells in a lot of other areas of the body and when they start really growing and not and again now they become selfish cells And they're no longer listening to the messages Mm -hmm. uh when it comes to proper division when it comes to um you know killing themselves right something called cellular apoptosis now they start clumping together they start sending out signals to drive more blood flow into the area so they're getting more blood flow more nutrients and over time we develop tumors right we Mm -hmm. develop enough of a you know cancer cells enough Mm -hmm. of these aberrant cells to where we can actually identify a tumor so chronic inflammation is kind of the breeding ground for all of these things inflammation itself is life-saving but when mm-hmm. inflammation becomes chronic, chronic and we're not turning it off it right. becomes a breeding ground for all degenerative conditions.
0: Hmm. You're gonna to have to put this in like a cartoon form for my six year old brain to understand. I'll be <laughs> honest. When you're talking, I'm like, these sound like space aliens. <laughs> like I was like, that's what the kind of was going through my head. I was like, I'm gonna need this in some type of because uh, I'm not a scientist. Um, I, I yeah. love I love all of this stuff though. I love the health. I love how it all affects. You know, I love learning about it because it's just so fascinating. Because it's just not. You know, none of us were none of, we were taught a food pyramid, right? We, we, you know, in school, we, we weren't taught like, you know, you know, how nice would it have been instead of having, you know, whatever class we had algebra actually teaching us about like maybe the human body. And this is how you take care of your human body. Think of how much, I mean, I use algebra once in a great while, like once a year, yeah. maybe, but, but this is something I would use every single day. So it's just, I'm always just so happy to be able to be in conversation with people that are just understand it and can help explain it so it's like oh okay this makes sense and so basically all this boils back down to fasting right i mean for, for for those of us who are a little over our heads here um which is primarily me no not nobody else that's listening but ultimately this comes back that fasting helps solve or helps uh support all of everything that you've just said and that's really the reason to do it is that absolutely okay
1: Absolutely. There's a lot of different anti-inflammatory strategies, right? Uh-huh. When we go to the doctor and you get an anti-inflammatory medication, they're actually just suppressing your immune system. Right. right? And, and, and in some right. cases for a short period of time, I totally understand it. If you're right. in like massive,
0: pain in or uh,
1: however, long-term there's tremendous problems with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, ends up leading to diabetes. You get, get addicted to these things, right. Mm-hmm. And have, you know, higher, and higher tolerance points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Uh, they're, they're obviously not getting to the root cause So getting the root cause is really healing the gut. And so there's a lot of things that we can do to heal the gut, but at the foundation is a lifestyle strategy that should have fasting or intermittent fasting as a foundation. Okay. And that's, this is something I believe people should be doing really every day. I mean, there are certain demographics where I don't do an intense fast every day, Mm -hmm. like let's by intense. It's not really intense, but I would consider a 16 to 18 hour fast. You know, really, uh, you know, by the time you're doing that on a regular basis, that's more of an advanced fasting strategy. All right. right. So like, for example, young, lean women mm-hmm. that are menstruating, they're in their menstrual cycle. And at the same time, they're stressed, right? They've mm-hmm. got kids or they've got a career um, and they're already lean, right? Mm-hmm. Their body, if they're doing doing too much fasting, their body may signal that the body fat is getting too low and they'll stop producing fertility hormones, right? And then their hair could fall out or something like that. So one thing we'll do is for women that are in that category, we might do something called crescendo fasting, where they're doing like a 12 to 14 hour daily fast, which Mm -hmm. is what I recommend as kind of baseline for everybody, Mm -hmm. but then maybe two days a week, they'll push it up to 16 hours, just two days a week, non-consecutive days. So they have time to recover in between, kind of like exercise, right? Some people, some people have this, you know, amazing genetic type to where they exercise intensely the next day, they wake up, feel great. They're going to exercise again. Right. right. And the more fit you get, the more you're able to tolerate this. Um, however, other people are very sore, right? They need, you know, they need at least one or two good rest days, you know, before mm-hmm. exercising again, especially people that are dealing with chronic disease or, mm-hmm. or under a lot of stress or something like that, um, intense exercise can drive up inflammation and their body may not be good at buffering that, recovering from that
2: mm-hmm.
1: to be able to do it every day. So they may need a few days off. So it's kind of the same with crescendo fasting. You're getting those rest days in between. So you might do it like Monday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do that 16 hour fast. And the other days 12- 12 called 14 hour fast. Okay. So that's with certain demographics, <clears throat> you know, people maybe that are really struggling with chronic disease. Um, you know, we might start that way and then gradually leaning into, okay, if they feel good during the 16 hour fast days, then we'll we'll add in three days a week, right? Maybe mm-hmm. four days a week, right? And then maybe right. get to the point where we're doing it every day, something along those lines. You know, there's other strategies as well. You can do like a partial fast or a water fast for three to five days.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I recommend waiting on the water fasts until you're able to comfortably do like a 20 to 24 hour fat intermittent fast. Right. And if that's comfortable, then I think your body is ready to possibly go through a three or five day water fast. Mm -hmm. Okay. And doing that every quarter, Mm -hmm. right. Something like that every quarter, particularly for somebody that is a little bit overweight and also Mm -hmm. has chronic inflammatory conditions Mm -hmm. can be extremely impactful. I mean, Mm -hmm. literally doing that every quarter within a year, you're going to turn over all the cells in your body, I mean, you're going to literally be a new cellular being. So Hmm. um, you're going to get rid of those bad cells, regenerate new cells. If you're practicing intermittent fasting, other healthy lifestyle habits, really prioritizing good sleep, keeping stress down, eating right. um, And then implementing, you know, a three to five day water fast, let's say four times a year, right? So So powerful, so regenerative.
0: And so, you know, there's tons... Still here. So I want to make sure, you know, uh, before we enter time today, where would you point people to get more information about, especially if they're just starting out or like myself, who's kind of dipped my toe in, but need to kind of yeah. l- just kind of get the to-do list, if you want to call it that. Where, Where would you point people to go to get more information?
1: For sure. Well, you certainly can go to my website, drjockers.com. Mm-hmm. And if specifically when it comes to fasting, I've got a great book, The Fasting Transformation. Mm-hmm. And in that book, I really go through all the research on how fasting benefits neurodegenerative conditions, cancer, um, autoimmune conditions, irritable bowel or leaky gut types of issues. So if I go through the research, you understand that. And it's not really over your head. It's, it's in a very understandable way. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a questionnaire in there that kind of helps you understand your your level of metabolic flexibility, how good your body is Mm -hmm. at burning fat as Mm -hmm. fuel, as well as sugar as fuel. And we wanna get you as metabolically flexible as possible Mm -hmm. to where when you're fasting, you're burning fat, you're not having cravings, you feel really, really great. And then you can also exercise even in a fasted state. And when you're exercising at a high intensity, you're burning sugar for fuel, right? So you wanna be good at being able to produce energy even Mm -hmm. in that fasted state. And so the metabolic flexibility questionnaire really helps guide you on how you should progress with mm-hmm. your fasting, like when you should bump it up to 16 hours, or when right. you might be able to bump it up to 18 hours or do a 24-hour fast. So that's in there. We also go through in that book, um, you know, the foundation of fasting, go through different strategies. We talk about partial fast- fasting, we talk about extended fasting, intermittent fasting, and really give you a template for how to get started with this and put it together to get the best benefits. Very
0: cool. Very cool. And you can find
1: that at amazon.com, the fasting transformation,
0: the tr- fasting transformation. And I know uh, you also have a kind of uh, a summit coming up, right? A chronic inflammation summit. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? And that's, and that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. When is that? Yeah.
1: So I interviewed, I interviewed 36 of the top experts when it comes to inflammation. Mm-hmm. So we talked all about inflammation, just like I talked about here. And then, On top of that, we talked about the best strategies for reducing inflammation. We focus on different areas, gut inflammation, skin inflammation, uh, brain inflammation, right? So we have it broken down into different categories, cardiac or heart inflammation. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to really understand inflammation and the best strategies for different tissues that are being inflamed. And of course, the best preventative strategies to make sure that uh, you keep inflammation under control in your body.
0: Okay. And how and you can do we- find that
1: at chronic inflammation, com.
0: chronic inflammation, com, And that's coming up in yep. June, Joe here, yes. right. yeah. June
1: 6th through 12th. Yep. Perfect. So there'll be, uh, five free interviews that you'll mm-hmm. get a chance to listen to each day during mm-hmm. that period of time. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people find the one that's most intriguing to you. Right. And uh, you'll be able to listen to that. Yep.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been certainly enlightening. I think it's helped me kind of reboot and reset and hopefully for our listeners, it's kind of given them some thoughts and ideas on what they can do to improve their health as well. And certainly reach out uh, for those uh, resources, the fasting transformation and chronic inflammation summit.com coming up uh, in June. So Dr. David Johnkers, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you again, Matt. Appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E-V-I-B-E dot com. Thank you for listening.